Well, hello there again, sitting here in the studios of 3CR on a beautiful day in Melbourne, an absolutely stunning day out there. Gosh, I'm glad we're not in South Australia, but it is a beautiful day out there. And we're sitting here in, in the studio and we are not wrapped in bulldog scarves. Well, I'm not. I can assure you, I'm not wrapped in bulldog scarves. I'm, I'm Susanna Duffy and I, and I barrack for another team. Go pies. So it doesn't really matter what your time time is for left after breakfast. Here on 3CR, your only radio left, Susanna Duffy with you. And joined, as always, by my co-host from CoHealth, the 3CR resident historian, his and her story and our story and Glenn. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Susanna. Good morning, listener. You've given me a few different segues there. I mean, yes, you don't break for the Footscray, but um, my mother came to Melbourne in 1954 and lived in Footscray, and that was the only year that won the flag. So, hmm, it'll be sort of interesting to win the flag for the year she moves to Footscray and the year she dies. So there you go. It's a that, yes, bit of symmetry there. That's, that's the lifetime mm, of your mother. That's right. Yeah. Well, wasn't it? She was in Cora for 24 years prior to that, but she yeah, moved but to Melbourne. Uh, yeah, when she mm. came to Melbourne. So I was she, going to ask you where she came from. Uh, Corowa. Up in the bush. Corowa she came from. And uh, moved to Melbourne in 54, lived in Footscray, worked at Western Health. and won the flag that year. They have not won the flag since. So she died this year. So yes, is there a just, correlation? Yeah, he's just lost, lost, lost his mother, listener. And you have a segue. It's one of the horrible things that happen to us in life, isn't it? It is. So, so look, death, mm. something which we, we can't avoid death. It's, uh, it's the one constant in life is death. Death appears and death's, death gives well, you a Don't a remind finality. me. Well, I've, I've lived for it this year. Well, well yeah, but I, I, I don't like thinking about it because it's me. And I think, okay. I think I'm, look, maybe if I just... Let's that, digress. If I just ignore it, it'll go away. Let's that digress. used to work when I was seven. Now, on the 28th of September, which was two days ago, 14 years prior, I got run over. It so is. That was a near-death experience. It was the grand final day. It was. September 28, 2002, I was run over. You were walking home from your job. Walking I to work. remember the day. <laughs> you were walking to work, yes, not from work, but to work. And 60 years ago on Tuesday, September 27, do you recall what was happening 60 years ago on Tuesday? Well, I'm just saying you might have read a book about it. Well, what, 60 years ago? What, what, what uh, year was that? September 27, oh, yeah. 1956. September 27, what, 56. What happened in 56? Well, we got the television. We had yeah. the Olympic Games. It's two or, two or three. Um, two or three ain't bad, as they say. I, I I changed schools. I went to the college that year. I left primary school. Loretta? To the college. No, St. Columbus. <laughs> we we, we family friends went to Loretta. In Essendon. Yeah. Um, no, but I can't think of anything else world shattering. Well, you, you mentioned... It was world-shattering. And you mentioned South Australia in the introduction to the program. Think of what world-shattering event occurred in South Australia commencing on September 27, 1956. 1956. Well, I suppose they they got the TV too. No, it was a world-shattering no, event. No, well, it was world-shattering. He has no idea, yeah, well, listener, what it was like. Well, I wasn't. Um, look, I really don't yeah. know. Shall I tell you or do you want to wait a minute? No, you tell it. Tell me. That was the first British nuclear test at Maralinga. Oh. And it was world. It shattered the whole of the earth. It sent toxic clouds into the skyline. And September 27, 1956, was the first British nuclear test at Maralinga. And I didn't think of it when I thought of 
momentous no, events of 1956. It was the One Tree Plain in Maralinga, and the British uh, professor, Sir William Penny, had waited and waited, and the wind had been, hadn't been good enough. He said, oh, I can't wait. The wind isn't perfect. It'll still blow stuff across populated areas, but hey, we need a test now. We've got a test so our 5 p.m., September 27, 1956, in Maralinga, they set off the, um, what was it called? It was called very, Operation Buffalo, and a f- atomic device was dropped, which is as big as the one in Hiroshima, and it was called Britain's Red Beard Nuclear Weapon. And as it was big a, as what, the one in Hiroshima. It was three, two, one, flash. All those present turned their backs, and when it turned around, it was an awesome rising fireball. Did, it was Marilinga's first nuclear test on that day. Did all those scientists die of bloody... Poisoning. Well, we know cancer. a lot of the Australian and British military personnel who are present have suffered cancers. Yes, and died. The scientists, different issue. But again, and what, what did happened? They had better equipment on, were they? Oh, they were, they were further back. <laughs> they're not as silly as they look. They just give the orders. They don't, you know, in, in wars, it's, you know, was it ours not to question why? Ours is about to do and die? Ours not to reason why. Ours not to make reply. Ours but to do or die. Into the Valley of it Death, right over 600. 600. Great poem. Anyway, this mm. wasn't this wasn't the 600. This was 1956. And as the firebombs spread in the atmosphere, uh, aircraft flew through it gathering samples. British and Australian <laughs> planes, they flew through to gather samples. And the cloud was higher than predicted. And the winds was still unsuitable. So the radioactive cloud had east across the Australian inland. Yes. This is the contempt the British had for the Australian people, of course. Well, of course. Now, this wasn't the first British nuclear test in Australia. Can I say something here, Glenn, very quickly? Mm -hmm. Any British people who are listening at the moment, we don't mean you personally. No, 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 no. But you must admit that those tests at Marilingo... We're a, a bloody disgrace. The British rulers. We, they were your rulers. It wasn't you. So please there were, there don't were, take offence. There were British servicemen, both Army and Air Force, who were exposed to the fallout. It wasn't just Australians. It was Australian soil. Anyway, this wasn't the yep. first British nuclear test in Australia. We know prior to that they'd carried nuclear tests in the Montebello Islands, Western Australia. Yes, off Western Australia's I coast. I don't know those islands. 52 and 1953, they were sort of up towards Darwin. And there was also a test carried up in Emu Field in South Australia too, which is north of Maralinga, so a long way away from um, white settlements. There were also people living there, weren't there? Yeah, but they weren't. Well, they weren't people. Of course, this was pre-1967, Correct. so they, they weren't, weren't people. Even though they'd been here for 50,000 years, they weren't deemed as people in 1956. Which just shows how backward you know, the Australian society was at the time, you know. Anyway. Not that we call that much better now. No. Well, the British had earlier requested um, parts of Australia to test nuclear weapons. And who was the Prime Minister? The man whose great military career was ruined by World War One, <laughs> Mr Menzies. The man who hey, hated Australia. Come right ahead. I'm happy. Apparently he um he had a phone conversation with Clem Attlee in 1950 and didn't even discuss with his cabinet. Yep, we'll test nuclear weapons here. No cabinet discussions. We'll just test nuclear weapons. No plebiscites. Oh, what plebiscite? Democracy? Menzies? <laughs> Come on. You kid me not. You must be jesting, my dear. I am. And Menzies was quite happy. He said, oh, it's, we can support our great British leaders. And it gives us supporting the, the godless communists of the Soviet Union and China. So we're going right ahead and test nuclear weapons in Australia. Menzies was ecstatic. Now, Menzies... Godless communists. We've got people sitting... In South they Australia, were, setting up atomic bombs, talking about godless communists. That's right. We were protecting the Australian people from the godless communists of the Soviet Union and Socialist China. 
Because mm. and the British were happy to protect us if they could test their bombs here, and yeah. they did. You know where that wind went, don't you? It went across indigenous lands. It travelled. It also travelled east. It did travel east. That's right. And it travelled right across uh, Victoria and over all our dairy cows. And yeah. as was just and that's no bull. And as was then, that's no bull. As was brought up about fifteen years ago, those cows were sort of. Glowing. Well, glowing in the dark, and that's where we got the milk from that right. I drank as a child. So we were given yeah, got big, rosy red cheeks right now. Glasses of strontium ninety or whatever the hell was in it. No, we were all drinking this radioactive milk, and we were white children. I mean, so we obviously we were counted. We were known as citizens of of, of Australia. We were some. Aboriginal children well, indigenous who didn't kids, exist. Yeah. <laughs> they were like flora and fauna, but they didn't exist. Well, they were. But, but even yeah. if they did exist and even people who cared. realised they were there, did anyone particularly care? Yes, they'd probably think, but, oh, but, look, they should be. I think there was mention that they'd, they, they'd been told or they'd been written a letter or something, tell them to move to town, you know, well, 20 this, miles away. Uh, this is the same time as the mindset was about breeding average of existence, you know? Yeah, breed them out. This is the mindset that was quite prevalent in white society. Oh, it's... Uh, and it's again, really hard to, you know, when you look at these things that have been done in your country. Well, Menzies was at the same time negotiating with the British to buy an atomic bomb with an Australian flag on it. What? Menzies, was, neg- Menzies was negotiating with the British to buy an atomic bomb with an Australian flag on it. This is our great leader, Ming the Merciless. And again... <laughs> the Merciless. That was a cartoon character oh, when you were a kid, I believe. My, yes, yes, he was. My God. Anyway, yes, I remember them. The British were happy to test nuclear weapons here, and the British agreed to pay for the clean-up in Australia. And the Australian minister responsible, the supply minister, Howard Beale, said, no, 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 no. You, can't, you shouldn't make all the cost of the clean-up. We'll pay most of the costs. You can pay a little of the costs. We're happy to have your weapons tested on us all, and we'll pay to clean it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Look at the bloody snivelling curs we are. Driveling rubbish. Well, Howard Beale's son was Julian Beale, correct me if I'm wrong. And Julian Beale was a minister in the Fraser government and was part of the opposition under Hawke and Keating. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, did Julian Beale's daughter marry Bill Shorten? Was she Bill Shorten's first wife or something? There's some link to the Beale family and one of the LP leaders. This was Howard Beale saying, no, no, the British... Test your weapons and we'll pay the clean-up, you know. But you can't be held responsible for what Not your father you are. did, can you? Not yeah, I, you I know are. it's difficult when, <laughs> when you think, I know who you are. I found it very difficult, listener, when we had as the Premier of Victoria a chap named Bailiu. And oh, think, yes, some of him. And I think, well, I can't hold you responsible for the crimes of your great-grandfather and your grandfather until the day I saw him on television telling us how he was proud of his family yeah. and what they had done for Australia. Well, we know they were... They were, <laughs> they were tea leaves. Yeah, they, they were thieves. They were crooks. They stole. Hmm. They set up fake um, sort of partnership companies well, for gold didn't. and emeralds and, you know, they all these scams. When Mr. Kennett closed all those schools, didn't the, on the Bayou companies of all the real estate make some sort of money out of the process they of made selling? quite a great deal of money out of it. So there's a history, my dear, and a history of Mr. Mendes and Mr. Beale and the York Banks of seven of the British. So the but British also, are... so we can't hold mm-hmm. people responsible. Oh, no, no. And I do remember Julian Beale. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if that were his daughter who married Bill Help me, listener. Bill Shorten. What a strange sort of man, yes, but he's made two very fortuitous and happy marriages. Yes. Both of them have been of. Well, I. He, he's chosen well, my dear. 
well, I, well, and he was accepted by these women who had a, a choice. A Whoppy background, yes. But I mean, I wouldn't mind if, say, well, uh, one of my sons mm-hmm. had two wives like this. In fact, two of my sons could have one of them each. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they was uh, that, that I wouldn't have to worry about them paying the gas bill. Anyway, the British carried out 12 major weapons tests in Australia, three at Montebello, two at Emu Field and seven at Maralinga. They also conducted hundreds of minor raids, minor trolls, including the highly damaging Vixen B radiological experiments which scattered long-lived plutonium over large areas of Maralinga. But 12 big tests, a lot of smaller tests, all involved nuclear waste on Australian soil. So where is it now? I mean, how did we clean it up, seeing well, as we're so graciously off to clean up idea. for that? Look, I almost said arse-licking. Thank heavens. I <laughs> thank, you went off the mark. Thank heavens I did it. You know. <laughs> you went but off you the know, mark. But I meant crawling, whinging, whining psychophants. Anyway, we, well, we the, are. The, but I wonder how it was cleaned up with dustpan and broom. Did, uh, well, did, not far off the mark. Did we have any idea then not how to the clean mark. up nuclear waste? Of, of, of well, the, the, no, the British said that helped. The British carried two clean-up operations, Operation Hercules in 1964 <laughs> and Operation Brumby in 1967, both which made the problems even worse. So the two clean made it even worse than originally. Hercules. Hercules and thinking, Brumby. I was thinking of Operation Hercules, named after Hercules, of course, the great hero. I thought, I wonder, is that when he had to clean out those bloody stables? That'd be Your GN stables. Yeah, that, that, which... And I was imagining well, South Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we don't know. The damage done to the Indigenous people, we'll never know how sick it was. They were dispossessed. They died. They were sick. We don't know how they suffered. Serious personnel from both the UK and Australia, they suffered and they had to fight hard, fight, fight tooth and nail Poor for simple amounts of compensation, you know. Uh, many of the deaths weren't recognised by the uh, British. So there's no link. You, you, you were there, you got cancer, but that's from, you, you know, being exposed to cancer on the boat somewhere, you know, or in Miles Way Hobart, you know. Now, the cost of the cloud exceeded $100 million. $100 million. In 1956. In the, in the 1990s. was finally in, done properly in the 1990s. 1990s. The British paid less than half. This is because of Howard Bill at the time saying, no, 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 we'll meet the cost, oh, you know. Please don't. Look, we are your servants we after are, all. <laughs> we, know, we know our place. And we, decades later, we still don't know the full extent of the damage caused by the British for the indigenous communities, for the nuclear waste, for the cleanups, the servicemen exposed. We will never know how much it has cost financially or in terms of human life and suffering. We'll never know these details. It's the people living there. And the so, they weren't... I, look, mm-hmm. I think it was said later that they didn't know they were there or they were told not to go there, but they yeah. did. So there is no record, no, no record of who was camping down in the, 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 the gully there under the old the land you've been for 50,000 years, you know. You're, 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 you're mob's land. Yeah, but I mean, that's, no one told them. No, no. I hope we can find out something know, about that. It just shows... And what's po- the name of Bill Shorten's first wife? Listen, it ring us up quickly. Miss Beale. Uh, but, it, but it just shows, you know, the Australian governments, regardless of their different colours, how they're quite happy to follow their foreign masters' activities, which are not in any way for the betterment of the Australian people, you know. Be it Iraq, be it Vietnam, be it selling pig iron to Japan, be it nuclear tests, 
We happily and faithfully are happy to cringe before the big dollar paying yes, imperial it's masters. We. It's not us. We are the real we, my dear. But they're doing these things in our name. Mm. So it's we, right. the Australian people, are doing this. That's right. Well, we, the Australian people, are paying for it, you know. It's been acting on our behalf, and we will pay for it, you know. It's, uh, yeah, it's like the golden rule you talk about, you know. Those make the gold, have the gold make the rule, and it's... But don't forget, listen, if mm-hmm. you were drinking cow's milk... Uh, in the 50s or 60s? In 1956, 57, and 58, you were drinking radioactive milk. Yeah. And again, didn't the, hurt you. I mean, well, the, the Professor didn't. Penny, who was in charge of a test, knew the wind conditions weren't suitable. He knew the wind was blowing east. He'd been delayed for a couple of days. And he couldn't wait. I mean, goodness me, why wait three days for a test? You know, if you can do it now, do Professor, it now. Sir William Penny. Some he, of them are like gods. Oh, he's, just, he's a knight. He's a knight. A knight of the realm. Oh, God. I mean, Let's quickly do it now. You it's think a of the of great the British scientific minds like Stephen Hawking, and uh, Stephen Hawking is one of the greatest minds of our era. And he's not Sir Stephen Hawking. He's a man who I have a lot of respect for, who um, who acknowledges there are some serious faults with our social economic system. Maybe that's why he's been knighted. Mm, I wonder. I look at these sirs sometimes and wonder if they'd. Their knighthood, some recent one handed out by the Queen when she handed them out to the bloody Beatles. And um, any <laughs> Beatle fans, don't panic. I like them too. But they did get a knighthood. Who was a bloke? Who was um? Was a Sir Jack Egerton, the Labor Mayor of Queensland, who, Mayor of Brisbane, who was knighted, and uh, he was Labor Party Mayor of Brisbane for a long time. And uh, Joe Belkey sort of won him over. I can arrange a knighthood for you if you change sides. Oh, sorry, I'll Jack my... Egerton. Yeah. E-A-G-E-R-T. Back in the 70s, he was a Labor mayor of Brisbane and he uh, he was uh, he was purchased not. by Joe Bialke on the premise of a knight and premise and a premise purchased of a knighthood. Purchased on yeah. the promise of a knighthood. Yes. Well, Joe Bialke had a way people. Did he get it? Yes, he did. He was Sir oh, Jack Egerton. Damn. Well, it was like Vincent Gare. I mean, there were some fun and games in Queensland in the 70s, wasn't there? It's a, With Vincent Gare. I mean, DL, ALP, DLP. Yeah but, yeah, but they kicked him out of the way, didn't they? And gave him a rotten job as ambassador in Ireland. Yeah. I'd love I'd it. love that. <laughs> I'd be like Flynn. I'd, yeah, well, okay, we can divide it up. You can take ambassador to Ireland and I'll, and I'll take that job they gave Amanda Vanston as ambassador to Italy. Yeah, you can have a big Island. place in Rome. Who goes to the Holy Sea? Was did Tim Fisher go to the Holy Sea? Where did Tim Fisher go? I don't know. Who's Tim Fisher? He was a oh, the country party. Yeah, chap. you know yes. the one who uh, <laughs> Barnaby Joyce. Got some thickheads there, isn't there? Well, anyway, here hard, isn't it? we're speaking of you know South Australia, Maralinga, and uh, the, the toxic wastes involved. Nowadays, they're saying because of the power flow in South Australia, it's because not enough coal's being burnt. We shouldn't be using wind turbines. We should burn more coal. And that why your, your power won't fail. Now, I mean, now, that's now. what this... Uh, Turnbull's saying that. Barnaby Joyce did the same thing, my dear. They're saying the power's failed in South Australia, not because of catastrophic winds and turbines, that's right, and power poles falling, but because there's not enough coal being burnt. We need more mm. coal. Come now, you're not... Am actually, I building the lily? I think you might be uh, suggesting that our Prime Minister and a couple of other members of... Um, his, uh, front, his top 
cabinet there yeah. are actually are politicking out of tragedy. Surely but Susan, no politician would do that. No, con- they would think yeah, they would the look straight away to help assist the Australians who've been the first hurt time by these terrible things. They wouldn't be trying to make politics out of it. It's the first they time for everything. Do that. Susan, don't be cynical. It's the first time for everything, my dear. I reckon they might be pushing the envelope. Well, Mr Turnbull's saying ideology is a cause of this. The ideology of state labor governments for the promoting alternative power to coal. Well, so is he not is he not politicking, my dear? Someone yes, and that's why I, I find that hard to believe. You know Seeing is believing. And I saw him on T V like that. Um, well, Barnaby Hayseed's doing the same. Oh, poor bloody Banana Bee. He finds it hard sometimes to get the right shoes on the feet. And, <laughs> right feet. Well, you know, I don't hold that against him, poor poor little chap. Um, no, but it could be worse. We could be yeah. somewhere in some other part of the world and they'd say, God did that. Oh, give it time. <laughs> give it time. It was God's punishment uh, on whatever they did in South Australia. What have they done? Didn't, didn't they have a nude beach? The didn't first pass, nude beach? Yes and no. <laughs> Why that's back, why, why God's punishing back them. back in the 70s, there was a bloke, there was a man as a cut snake. He said to Don Dunstan, because of Nudist Beach, a wife was from Adelaide. That's we'll right. We'll all die. That's a right. A wife was from Adelaide. So Don Dunstan said, when's it going to happen? Yeah, he, right. he gave him a certain date and time. So Don went to the beach and waited. Down there. And waited. Down <laughs> waited, waited, waited. This crowd, they're all standing yeah. on the beach waiting for this. <laughs> this big wave to destroy South Australia because of the first Nudist Beach. I remember that. I man as a cut that. snake. I don't know who that strange person. <laughs> He's still inside. No, not someone. His surname wasn't Roberts. No, no. Maybe might have been Nalia because Danny Nalia said the. Didn't he say weren't the bushfires in Victoria because of abortion? Yes, God, that's God's, that's God's punishment. punishment. I mean, and seriously, these people walk amongst us. Yes, they walk amongst us free. They do, but truly, but I'm sure that Pauline Hanson. I'm sorry, I should. Please, we shouldn't that. be talking about her. But I, I, um, I'm sick of her. I, I actually believe that she says that it's the fault of Muslims that it was caused by Muslims, and wind turbines. Oh, that all these Muslims yep. swamping us have combined with the wind turbines and brought down these. Why should we talk about Melbourne. her? I'm of course, so, the large yeah. storms have nothing to. Um, yeah, do with it, do they? But again, know? she gets free. She gets a free kick, a free ride. I mean, the Dancing of Stars TV show, the Seven Sunrise show. You wonder why people vote she for gets her? Paid for that? You wonder why she gets voted? Gets votes because people see her every day on TV. Even for the fourteen years, what about sixteen years? She wasn't in Parliament. She was given regular publicity. She's someone yeah. the media love promoting her and her her opinions. Well, I will stop right now then. Yeah, look, I Good. just think even on Facebook, I've a few friends okay, on Facebook. Don't post her. We'll leave it then. Okay, Good. leave it alone, dear. Of course, you're right, Glenn. I was only being silly when I expressed surprise that politicians might be politicking in the wake of a natural di- disaster because you would assume that, and normally natural disasters are off limits. To about politicking, at least in the first day well, or two after the event. Limits. But you, you already, can't say. But already they're pushing their anti-renewables message, yeah. aren't they? You can't say that um, floods and fires and natural catastrophes are anyway linked to climate change. You can't draw a correlation, apparently. And strangely enough, yeah. those, the other the alternative energies, as they are called, 
weren't offline. No. They were still producing. Uh, they had the energy. But <laughs> they couldn't. Me. But the grid went down. That's right. The electrical grid. And you can't, it doesn't matter how much power you've got sitting there, if it can't get onto a storm ravaged grid, it can't get to the consumers. Excuse me, Susan. Yes, it, of course. While it facts down the way of a good story. Oh, right. Because we're talking about politicians. While it facts down the way of a good story, you've you got to blame you, the renewables for something. Remember that. Terrible years, and you remember that awful fire in October oh. 2013. Which was so many fires last few years? Which one? The one in 2013 when you know, when you had to go home, the road was cut off for you to going home. That, that was October 09, that was February 09. Was it? <laughs> it's, it's tattered on my arm. Well, I'm thinking, it's, well, it's 09. It's tattered on my arm, February now, 709. I remember then because it was I said that this so. was put down. Yeah, that climate change was going to cause more yep. and more extreme events yes. like that. And there was outrage yep, yep. from these same government ministers, outrage that people would be taking advantage of a natural disaster yep, yep. to push their own wagon, yep, yep. which is exactly what these buckers are doing now. Well, it's interesting. Uh, Ian McFarlane, who was uh, one of the leaders of the anti-carbon tax campaign for the mm. Mr Abbott's group, um, he's left Parliament, got a nice big payout. And where's he gone? The head of the Queensland Mineral Council. Mineral Council, yes, they get nice jobs. When they, they do. Yeah, Marty Ferguson's another one. Isn't Marty got a big job oh. somewhere in the mineral sector? You know, we have issues, Planet Earth. And look, I, I don't believe it's, it's a fasting issue. I don't believe it's, you know, no, sorry. Malthusian issue. I don't think it's the end of the world, but we have some problems with our environment, and it's linked to human-induced activities. We're going yes. burning of coal, and until we can find ways of challenging it and reducing it, we have increasing amount of floods, fires, and catastrophes of this All nature. Over the world, it's just it, they, they, they're hitting us now. And that's they're more prevalent, and it's happening yeah. now. But the thing is, though, if uh, a, a system over there, a power system which had decentralised renewable energy and with battery storage would have been much better off. They wouldn't have all been thrown off, all those Correct. households, because they'd have... Um, they have backups in place. Yes, they've got their own batteries and their own stuff, and right. they could, could, could have stayed on. Correct. Because, because the, our energy, the energies of wind and solar are more renewable, they are safer. What am I saying, Lisa? They're more resilient. These, hey, let me say it properly, renewables are resilient. And if all of the power in South Australia were done by renewables, they wouldn't have all gone offline because the well, grid could have handled quite well and wouldn't have needed the grid. The other thing we need to think of in terms of South Australia, of the power failure, and the Maralinga test six years ago this week, was, I mean, how do we utilise nuclear power? Nuclear power is a reality. I mean, what advance have we made of nuclear fission, nuclear fusion, to be able to, to replace coal? So, as well as wind and sea, I mean, nuclear power is a reality. It's not going to go away. So, we need to make scientific ways of harnessing nuclear power more effectively. Anyway, I'm talking about Maralinga and nuclear power and grand finals and all sorts of things which occur in September every year. And um, yeah, it's just um, it's part of being the three CR audience here and three CR community. And again, listener, listeners, plural. Have you pledged to the Radiothon a few months ago? If you have, have you paid? And if you haven't paid, you can come along to pop in here to 3CR. We're just down here at 29 Smith Street, Fitzroy. You can come here for your cash and credit or send us some money to PR Box 1277 Collingwood or call us on 9411 for your payment because 3CR, your Vox Populi, depends on you, the community. Isn't that right, my dear? Well, yes, it is, and you always say that so well, Glenn. 
Well, we are. We're, we're the vo- pe- voice of the people. We're not sponsored by, you know, coal mining corporations or breweries or tobacco companies or gam- corporate bookies. We're sponsored by you, the listener. We are Community Radio. Vox Populi. That's us. So that's me. Do you know that, um, yeah. that full quote? You, no, it's no. Vox Populi, Vox Dei. Go on, say it again, please. My Latin's very poor. My dad was fluent. I wasn't. I was... Vox Populi, Vox Dei. And it means the voice of the people yeah, and... the voice of God. Good. Opus well, Dei is the, well, the body well, of God. The wor- yeah, well, the works of... Anyway, I've, I've had my piece. I'm sure there's more to follow. All the part listeners, you'll have the dulcet tones of Owen Bolger and soon enough to pledge you for the next half an hour. Yes. And until I return next Friday, what more can I say than chocula? Chocula.
Say here on Left After Breakfast on 3CR, good morning to Irene. Good morning, Susanna and listeners. And uh, Mr Bagman can't probably hear us, I don't think, but uh, he's you enjoying never himself. You never <laughs> yes, we've had some fascinating snippets while the I had a lot. There was a great post the other day. Well, well the Bagman's been lugging around his grandson. Oh, and his wife. Yes. Been lugging around his grandson <laughs> through Japan as he'd meant to go some months back before he was whisked off to hospital for yes. a bypass. He, we, had a, we had a wonderful description of Japanese toilets. It was fabulous. It was mm. great. Have you got it? Because I was looking for it and I, on no, my Facebook I, no. page and I couldn't find it. Oh, I've taken but, it from uh, there. I was putting it into his website, but I haven't got it at the moment. Uh, it was extreme. It was very, very funny. He's a funny man. Uh, I'll have to. I'll find it and read it out next week when he's here. He can make a comment. But uh, but they're but they're fantastic with the technology. The Japanese amazing that you can have a toilet that you know the lid goes up when you walk in the door and does all sorts of nice things, squirting water into your yes, various various bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. Well, I mean, I was. <laughs> First of Without I, you having to touch anything. Yeah, but yes, so you haven't got that's hands on anything. No. That's it, you say. That's what it's about. That's yeah. what it's for. It's not there for luxury. No. Or to bewilder uh, Australian tourists like the bagman. It's there for purposes of hygiene. Look, the first time, though, I struck, it was in Rome at the station, at the main station there. Oh, yes. I uh, went into there. the toilet, yes. Termini, Termini. And and I had my little euro in my hand. I went into the toilets, and when I opened the door of the toilet, the seat came up. Oh, and as okay, and <laughs> yes, but but there's no flush. It flushes when you stand and close the seat, but you have to put your hands on it. Ah, uh, you have to put it yes. closed. Well, I like this idea of no hands because I always get worried. I wash my hands, and then I've got to hold, touch the door handle on the way out and then I see so many people going out without watching their hands. Oh, makes me nervous. Oh, makes me... <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Yeah, we'll get off the toilet. Last week we were on to another different type of toilet. Well, <laughs> I have had a couple of um, notices of feedback from people who, oh, yes, good who actually bad. queried why we were talking about um, the female orgasm. I wasn't. I was talking about some madman. From that Baptist church, whatever it's called, Westwood Baptist Church, who said that there's no such thing as the female yeah. orgasm, and and anyway, it's from the devil. So that's right. We won't say that. We're just commenting on that, yeah, which we, we thought was we, hilarious. But we won't say any more. That's finished. No. We need to. We're finished with that. Now look, tool so of the week. About, we won't talk about that again. No, we won't. Sorry, we won't. And we won't, we won't ever, mention. We will never ever the colour of her to hair. That senator from Queensland? No, no, we won't. No, we won't. Uh, we'll have to think of some other way of describing it. 
Um, uh, tool of the week. Now, look, I think this stands out like nothing else uh, in terms of who the tool of the week is. Could you guess? The tool of the week? Yes. Oh, here Just we go. Just have a think. I wish I could do a drum roll. Yeah. I can't do a drum roll. I must get some sound effects in here. Uh, Somebody who went on a little trek overseas. You'll have to tell To us. a war zone. Wyatt Roy. Oh. <laughs> and goes to he goes to Iraq in the middle of a, in the middle of the part, war zone part of Iraq uh, to uh, take pictures of himself with various fighting people. Then had to get out very quickly uh, because there was a barrage of. Well, he was he 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 was like a little kid playing war games at home. Because he's talking about RPGs and 50 cal and (laughs) bullets and all this stuff. And I thought, what a nitwit. I mean, how stupid is that? Yes, and I don't like to say this, of course, listener, and especially I'll say this to you, Aaron, I don't like to say it, but... um, you know, it's pity, really. It's one of the stray bullet didn't teach him what it's like that you don't well, go at least in the buttocks in, or something. You don't though. go around playing in war games. Yeah, just you don't a, go to war zones. No, it's just insanity. We have we have a government that says to us, "Don't go there," and they say that for very good reason. For a very good well, reason. Well, I don't think I'd need to be told, actually, not to go. But anyway, yes, well, we wouldn't like him to be killed or anything, but we wouldn't mind a little pellet in the buttocks yeah, or something like that. Just to in a war zone. Yes. Now, the other, the other thing is, um, with a bit more seriousness, is that uh, to this point in Australia, in, uh, there are 50 dead women so far this year. And I'd like to thank uh, Counting dead, dead Women from Destroy the Joint who, who keep the count up to date so that we all know what's going on. And uh, so at this point, there are 50 women who have been killed this year. This year. Yes. Um, <clears throat> Not by terrorists. No, well, by a f- different type of terrorist. Let's put it that way. But uh, when, you know, it's interesting when there's certain uh, people like the unmentionables who are very, very right wing who are waltzing around Victoria these days. Uh, who talk about terrorists all the time and go on like pork chops about it and, and about our Muslim population and how they're all terrorists. Yes, the 2.05% yeah, of them that was us. And one of them's actually been in prison for uh, giving his wife or partner a bit of a belting. So I think they need to look look at themselves a little bit before they're looking at anybody else. Oh. Um, and one of them actually went to Eltham the other day this is the uh, the group that we've talked about before today who Eltham. invaded. He went to Eltham to uh, inspect the – there's a place in Eltham for elderly people and apparently he'd heard that they were going to take refugees. So he decided to present himself. He walks in, pretends he's a journalist and starts berating them for taking refugees in there. So – they were very sensible and they start. They said, we're calling the police. And he, he had to actually, it was quite funny, he ran away. <laughs> but he, it's, what, who do they think they are? He's a nincompoop. I love that word. Um, but oh. he is because he, he thinks he's got the right to just march into some place and, and tell them off because they're going to take, they might take some refugees. 
And uh, so they're, they're a bit like that, though. They like confronting people about stuff. Well, like they confronted uh, Steve Jolly at his uh, campaign launch and uh, and got a little bit scared and when they got backed out of the <laughs> backed out of the premises and also ran away they did run away but they they uh, when they when they they were dealing with women in this uh, only women there weren't any men there uh, and he was being quite assertive aggressive sorry but the women stood up to him and told him to get out and started calling the police so but uh, if he approaches any of you just uh, call the police straight away you know he's mad. He's mad. He's not insane or anything. He's just an idiot. But a, a dangerous one, you're saying. Well, in that he's prepared to confront people and. Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't like being confronted for no. heaven's sake. It's bad enough sometimes. Just the going down the street and I've got someone begging for charity, begging me for charity. Often they're dressed up as some kind of creature, some animal, a koala or a oh, those duck or ones, something, yes, waving buckets at me. <laughs> And saying if I got some money, and I'm saying no, no, and I keep walking. And they say, oh, but it's you know, but it's to save the, the the animals, and they follow me, and I they follow me, and I think I am being, I, I don't like it, especially when they're men, and yes. most men are very much bigger than I am. Yes, you're all you're all too big, fellas. That yeah, and they're following me, and you know, it's quite a, it's quite scary, particularly when they're asking for your credit card numbers. Oh, really? Yeah, that's oh, what they want. No, now. I, all I say now is I'm an old pensioner. Ah, oh, haven't got any. I've said Sorry. that, but they, I've still been followed by these animals. Oh. I mean, these animal suited. Yeah, the people. animal suited people. Mm. I haven't seen one of those around for ages. I've complained so, about them enough. Oh. I always go home and ring up the well, get yeah. out of the way and ring it's up. It's a long the, time since I've seen. And the, ring up the, the agency and complain oh. where, what time it was, and where I was, and. Yes, well, I, I mean, look. Uh, I do. I don't like. Well, it's actually what's worse for me is I keep getting phone calls wanting to sign me up to uh, funeral insurance. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Yes, I know I'm getting old, but I'll make a choice about that myself. I get phone calls every couple of days from different people about funeral insurance. Your name is on the do not call register. Your number is on the do not call. Well, register. it's going to get on there. I didn't think about it because when I came back from Spain, I. I and I got—I actually got a home phone, and I haven't had a home phone number for quite some time. I've only had my mobile. Um, <coughs> and yes, I've been bombarded, so I must do something about it. Yes, it's easy enough. It's, uh, just check on online. It's a website, you know. But just Google "do not call register." Yes. That or worse, that effect, it will find it for you, and it's, it's a very simple process. Um, and you can make complaints because I've made complaints when people kept calling me and I'm on the do not call register and I have been for a year at least. And the people who want me to compare my electricity prices to tell me they've got a oh, good deal for me. Yes. You know, <laughs> that I really become that's annoyed. A... It's a, such a shame. These poor buckers are only trying to make it well, good so that's they, right. can, they can have a meal. Yeah. And I end up being cross with them and rude. I've been known oh, to be see, rude. No, to I try not and to be how rude. how can you be rude to these people on the phone? Who... I just say, oh, look, no... I've had the I've had umpteen calls and I can't don't please don't call me anymore sorry thank you bing do yeah. not call again yeah. anyway where do you live anyway I'll, I'll I'll be around to see you later but talking of refugees <sighs> yes you know I really thought Irene that our treatment of refugees couldn't really get any lower until no. I've been thinking now about these nice people that Malcolm wants to bring in from Central America. 
they are oh, all, yes, they're yes, also they're, poor bloody refugees who yes. need help and need to come here. But I can see the way that Turnbull has put it, like, they're nice. But they're going to be Christians. Yes, they'd be nice. They'd be Christians. Yeah, yeah. I suppose they'd be Catholics, for heaven's sake. I'll yes. save us. But, but the people on Manus aren't nice. Uh, well, I don't know I'm, how anybody would know because but, nobody's anywhere, anybody with mm. any... Uh, humanity whatsoever isn't allowed anywhere near them, so yes, we can assume that they're yeah. they're great, they're nice human beings, but uh, they're being slowly tormented to death. Yeah, but the refugees we are going to accept will be the nice, they'll be nice ones, refugees, yeah, yeah. while those yeah. held captive in life extinguishing misery are yes. not nice, oh, and that's why they're sad. held in this life extinguishing misery. Because no punishment is too great for people who are not nice refugees. Yes, it was interesting. I was reading an article in the newspaper yesterday about how lang- how important language is, and how important it is that the language has been that has been used about the refugees has been so pointed in terms of of uh, making them sound like demons and how they're they're a threat to us that. Uh, a lot of people have accepted that they should be put on there and tormented because they're this great big threat to Australia, when in actual fact they're not. And uh, I think that once people, hopefully, if people start to realise that that's not like that, they might take a different view. Apparently the the um, polls have started to turn around a bit with more people a bit more concerned about it. Um, but the concern I have too is the Labor Party hasn't been any any better because no. they've been worried about their vote and uh, they've lost their humanity as well about this. And it's a disgrace. So I, I keep is, thinking mm. about ways of trying to get them off there and sneaking yes, them in. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to stop. I'm still thinking. Getting a boat, just go to yeah, a boat. Yeah, just go, go and get them. And say jump, yeah, and get yeah, them on. Um, get them on. Try and get them. But truly, it, it's... Uh, we're in, it's morally sickening. It really is. We're in this morally sickening bloody position where we're torturing one set of displaced, stateless peoples. We're yes. torturing them while offering sanctuary to another set of displaced, stateless people. Because we, well, didn't, in, we didn't invite the former, but we're inviting the yes, latter. Yes. It's such a. It shows you our view of the world, our society, it's, this sort um, of white tribe. Yeah, white Christian tribe yeah. mindset. It's, uh, it's very, it's very well. It's horrible, really. I hate being part of it. I hate being part of a country that's doing this sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, and we, I must say that we haven't had huge rallies in the streets. Not really huge ones um, about it. And uh, like we used to about the Vietnam War and other other <coughs> issues. So it's uh, it hasn't really come to the forefront of people's consciousness as such that there are a lot of people who don't support what they're doing. And that's us. That's Australians. And we're sitting back allowing it to happen. And many times I think, Irene, I think, you know, I've just had enough of this. Well, 50 years, at least 50 years, I've been, you know, trying to do, well, marching on the streets, waving things, getting yes. beaten up by the police, run down by police. I'm still limping from the where the police horse ran me over. 
that horse is dead, thank heavens, but I still, that leg still... Did you say the horse is dead, thank heavens? Of course the horse is dead. the horse's fault. Well, it would be that. It was. The horse was trained to, it was a horse trained to ride into protest and it rode into me, knocked me down, rode over me and broke my thigh. But it's the rider's fault. never really was the rider's fault, the way the horse was trained, Mm. but the horse is dead. Yes, because well, it was it a long be. time. Wouldn't live this long. <laughs> <laughs> so I can say I survived, and the horse didn't. Yeah, but I've done that in this, and then the terrible, dreary business of you know stuffing things in leather boxes and knocking on people's yes, doors and talking to them, yeah. and then having the sort of barbies to raise money to just to get posters printed off. Oh, and the arm muscles that I wore out, not built up, and wore out on the old. Uh, uh, the Ronia machine, oh, yes. you know, the guest Stetna. Yes. Remember the guest Stetna listener? Yes. Every true revolutionary must remember a guest Stetna. Guest Stetna. <laughs> All those <laughs> things. And you think the things I fought for and you think you won, like a woman's right to choose. Let's just take a, a, a broad yes. one. So I thought oh, we've won that, we've fought that and got there to find. No, it's no. all just turned back again. And I sometimes think I could despair and be like that woman in... Henry Lawson's poem, who's past caring, worn out, weary, and past caring. Yes. And then you'll think, no, it can't stop. It doesn't matter if you're a bit crutchy and old and you're well, you've got to keep your arthritic hip. Yeah. It, just makes you, it just makes you a bit more grumpy. Yeah, but it <laughs> does have to Makes keep. me grumpier. But, of course, yeah. it's difficult for me to get marching in. It's difficult for me to, to fight. The, the police anymore. The last time I had a, a physical contact with the police, and good morning, officers, the last time it was up um, in Canberra uh, just a few years back when I went up on it. Oh, yes, my son was uh, put into custody up there. Was he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, only for a little while. <laughs> it's not like when he, was, uh, when he was demonstrating down here against the closure of the, um, what was the school, Richmond? Richmond. Oh, I've got a photo of him being pulled to the ground by a, a police officer. Yes, I remember him but, being down there at the school, um, yeah. And in, and in another one, he was arrested uh, when he was he was at La Trobe Uni, so they were always demonstrating. Um, we're we're proud of things. our sons, listen. Yes. We, we aren't telling, he, good, we're telling you, what, you know, where they were arrested on what demo. Yes, well, he got arrested <laughs> by the Heidelberg police because he was, um, oh, what was his name, who was running for the Liberals... Um, uh, you know the one about uh, who wanted to bring in the GST, but he didn't know the, the thing about the cake. Um, well, does, does he's matter. still he's still around because he wasn't elected, but now he seems most sensible in comparison to the others who are around now. Yeah. Um, oh, his name's going to come to my mind. But it doesn't matter. Him. But anyway, uh, they were demonstrating against him because he was going to be at the Rosanna Town Hall or something. Uh, he was taken into the police station. And I got a phone call from one of his friends saying, oh, Nick's been arrested. So I had this awful picture about, you know, telephone books and yeah. <laughs> being applied. And the old days. <laughs> yeah, the, the, anyway. Those things that we were used to. So I ring up the – I ring him up. This is in 1987 or something, I think, 86, 87. I ring up the police and say, it's Irene Bolger here. I understand you have my son there. I'm coming down right now. <laughs> Anyway, so I race down there. I get there, and when I come in, go in, he's just sitting there having a chat about Marxism to a couple of coppers who <laughs> had this bewildered look on their faces. Uh, so he hadn't been harmed, but um, yeah. uh, yes, he did have to go to court. 
and uh, but nothing much happened. But yeah, yes, well, I, I really uh, can't, you know, my, yeah. Well, he's got a better, <laughs> I've never been arrested, which is a bit of a, you know, thing of shame for me. Mm. I've never been arrested. You? But, uh, yes. You've never been arrested? No. I've been escorted. I've seen you. I've seen you on the front page of the Herald Sun with beefy bloody cops on each side of yeah, you. Yeah, they were guarding me. Oh, they no, <laughs> no, they were. Well, you might have seen that photo of all the nurses marching up the street. Yes. And they were liaising. Liaising. Yes. No, Where I've do you want to go now, Ms Bolger? I want to go down there and up Collins Street or up Burke Street or wherever it was. Um, so, yes. I had, no, I've, never, I've been escorted off hospital premises a couple of times for because I was going in and uh, looking for scabs. Mm. And, uh, and Well, were, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> I wasn't being horrible. I was just backing him up against the wall and explaining to yes. them why being a scab wasn't really a nice thing. Uh, no, it was a death wish. In a sort of nice way, but uh, not. But, um, yes, I was escorted off premises. I suppose if I'd refused to go, I would have been arrested. But, uh, no. No, so my son's got it over me. He's. Uh, I haven't even been tackled or, or oh, attacked by any police well, officers. I've been attacked by the police, but, but that was back in the anti-Vietnam War days. Mm when they were a lot heavier than they are now. Yes. Because well, people didn't have cameras. No, 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 you couldn't see you, what was going on. I mean, I, was, I used to go to those marches, but I, you couldn't see what was going on on the, on the edges or anywhere. And you couldn't whip there so out many. your phone and video. And video anything. Like you can now, which, no. is, which is fantastic. Yes. You can actually do it, yes. Now, but, yeah, but of course I, I feel my youngest son, of course, has only been chided by the police at the... S11, was it S11? Oh, the S11, yes, yes. But of course my last clash with them, listener, oh, it's all about history this morning, isn't it? Was whenever it was and I went to Canberra in the 90s sometime sometime, and um, had a bit of a slight run in with some, it was when all these people marched into Parliament House yes, and took over Parliament House, yes, yes that time I had a slight um, skirmish with a, a, with a police officer with a, the riot shield and thing on. And when I got back to the bus, Sigrid Borker, who, who, who's just passed away, Sigrid Borker got on the bus with me and she had the riot shield. Ah, that's the way to do and, it. And <laughs> I can say that now because they can't get they can't do anything. Now. No, they can't. But I was quite sort of edgy. I think, well, when I'm sitting, I was saying, Sigrid, sit up the back and nowhere near me. I don't want to be. Yeah, go away. Don't want jumping ah, on this bus criminal, to criminal. get there. To get their right chill back. Now, quickly before we go, I want to mention that uh, our esteemed Prime Minister was nearly tool of the week this week. It was a bit of a close call because he blamed the the electricity problem in South Australia on renewable energy. Yes, that's uh, right. Just totally ignoring the fact that all the great big conductors of well, power yeah. were knocked the over. Down by this incredible They're all knocked over. Savage wind Nothing not... to do with the source of energy whatsoever. And, yes. um, and 80 uh, huge lightning strikes. The yes. point is if they had had more renewable energy, the people would have been all right because they have batteries. Yes. They have solar power. They yes. have, and the wind, the wind turbines didn't go offline, I can assure you. Well, they, they were still were. working, the yes. turbines. But they were the going like the clappers. But it doesn't matter how much... 
uh, you could produce of energy if you haven't got a grid because it's been ravaged by storms and lightning strikes. Well, then it can't get to the person who needs so it. So he's been flogging the dead horse well, about that. And, and uh, the, Barnaby Joyce has been too. One of the so. same uh, people who, when we said those bushfires we had here in 2009, the dreadful ones that killed so many, oh, more than 100 people, when it was put to this is climate change, this is creating more extreme events, you were called, jumped upon, jumped upon as being, you know, you're politicking. You can't yes. talk about climate change with a natural disaster. Well, that's what these bastards are doing. They're saying, it's renewable energy. And Pauline Hanson, of course, said it was Muslims, wasn't it? Well, oh, was it? I didn't well, hear look, that. Well, if she didn't You're say making it, that up. <laughs> look, if she didn't say it, I bet she, she said it at home. Please explain. With Muslims. <laughs> that woman who has no colour hair. Exactly. And we weren't going to mention her names, but you just have. Oh, You've ruined right. my day. And I do hope that person who has mentioned before and really chided us for using an adjective to describe the foliage on her head, to describe her hair colour. We're sorry we did that. We know we shouldn't. We're just we say orange. And, orange. and I myself personally... You know, I'm sorry, coming from a family of redheads. No, you see, I, you just I, said Oh, you, but I'm allowed to. I was talking about myself. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to. All right, I'm sorry. I, just look, say it's orange. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll give up. Let's go yep. out in the same old way. Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. everybody and welcome to another edition of Keep Left, a programme between Labour College. In the studio is Irene Bolger, who's kindly consented to stay on. Good morning, and you thought you got rid of me, but and sorry, I'm still here. And I thought I got here. rid of her, but not to be, not to be. Well, before I start on substantive stuff, I've got a comment on, on the uh, school funding for extremely rich schools. Oh. And that's a scandal. I mean, places like Wesley Scotch and Melbourne Grammar have polo courts, swimming pools, endless properties on St Kilda Road, for God's sake. But when the 